Have you ever thought about how incredibly complex our spit is? It may only be 99% water, but just saliva isn't simple. That remaining 1% holds incredibly meaningful information that could change everything. And I'm not just talking about your family tree. Hi, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and on this season of Spit, an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe, we explore how DNA isn't just about ancestry. It can also be key to understanding your health. What's up, you, and welcome back. Now, Kadeen and Deval Ellis of Deadass always keep it real. Whether they're talking about love, sex, marriage, or everything in between, you can always count on them to give it to you straight. And these two have a lot to say about their DNA. To quote Deval, it may sound cliche, but in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been. So Kadeen and Deval have decided to take a 23andMe test, curious to see what their DNA could tell them about their health and ancestry. As a married couple with kids, health is always top of mind. Starting with your spouse, Kadeen and Deval believe it's in your best interest to keep your partner healthy, which may sound obvious, but it's something we can easily neglect in all the chaos of our everyday lives. And what you can learn about your partner's health from 23andMe can make all the difference, even if it's as simple as encouraging them to eat right or making sure they're getting enough sleep or exercise. Knowing what to look out for is key. And when it comes to their kids, it's important for Kadeen and Deval to not only model what it means to be healthy and proactive, but to use the knowledge that they have to teach their boys how to take the best care of themselves. Let's listen in as these two get real about how best to guide their sons and themselves to live longer and healthier lives, and how the information provided by 23andMe can help. This may sound cliche, but in order to know where you're going, you got to know where you've been. <laughs> Deadass. I, I, I feel that. <laughs> and I mean, to be honest, some days I'll be looking in the mirror and be like, girl, where you really from? Deadass. Hmm. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm Deval. And we're the Ellis's. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. So I'm going to take this back to my elementary school days. Mm -hmm. Shout out Bethlehem Baptist Academy. Yes. Also known as the Trey Whitfield School. Now, now. it is, yes. East New York, but Brooklyn. But we knew it as Bethlehem. <laughs> Bethlehem, Bethlehem. <laughs> Across from Gershwin Park. Shout out Brooklyn. Uh, Cozine and Van Sicklin. Um, was it Stanley and Cozine? Oh, I think Stanley and Cozine. Yeah, Stanley, Stanley and Cozine. And, Cozine yep. and Linden Boulevard. Yep. So I used to take the, the school bus when I was in elementary school. You mm -hmm. know, um, four, five, six years old. I was a bus kid, and I used to take the, the school bus from Flatbush to Brownsville or East New York. So you know what that must have been like being on the school bus mm -hmm. right, with a bunch of young kids and the cheese bus. The, the cheese bus, yes. <laughs> and for people who don't know. I grew up in the golden eras of Brooklyn, right? 
the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. So literally it was 1989, my first time on the cheese bus. I was five years old. Then 1990, 91, 92, right? So getting on this cheese bus and Bethlehem Baptist Academy was an elementary school that transitioned all the way through junior high school. So you were there from nursery all the way through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge age difference. Like I was on the bus with kids who were 10 years my senior. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting on the bus and all of the older kids would kind of like choose which child, like the, the girls would choose which child was their son, quote unquote. Right. They're right? like little mother hands. Yeah, they're like little mother hands, you know? <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, they, I was a cute kid and they were just like, oh my God, he's so cute. That's my son. That's my son. And I remember this girl, Keisha, she used to like get me candy and stuff like that. And there was this one kid named Ramel. And another thing people don't understand is that you start to get like, ident you go through identity issues mm -hmm. from elementary school to junior high school as your body's changing and everything's happening. And then you start to figure out who you are in the world through your peers. Your peers kind of tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. And I remember being on the bus and I think Ramel had a crush on Keisha. Mm -hmm. So he kept like just, he's always around her and Keisha was just always paying attention to me. And I guess he was kind of just like, man... Kind of jealous in a way. Yeah, and Keisha so, wasn't giving him no play, apparently. Not giving him no play. <laughs> so he had said to Keisha, like, yo, that can't be your son. It can't be your son. Like, you black. He not even black. And I remember I was six years old, and that hit me. Because I'm like, why would he tell me? Why would he say I'm not black? And he was like, yo, look, he mad light-skinned. He not even black. He mad yellow. He Chinese. He Mexican. <laughs> so <laughs> back in the day, like, you know, well, colorism still exists today. But back in the day, when you was on the cheese bus going from Flatbush to Brownsville, you was on the bus with majority brown-skinned kids. Mm -hmm. So it was like when you was just a light-skinned kid, you know, I used to get picked on. You know, it's always a light-skinned kid, he's a light-skinned kid. So I grew up in a time where you played the dozens and you joked on people and people joked back. And I remember going home and realizing how it was affecting me. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, am I black? I'm six, you know, six, you're still an impressionable kid. And he was like, hell yeah, you black. Why? <laughs> like, why are you asking me that? And I was telling him about Ramel and everything that was going on the bus and him saying I'm not black and making fun of me and stuff like that because I was light-skinned. So my father used to tell me jokes to tell back on people, right? So he was just like, yo, you got to always have a joke for everybody when you walk in a room and have a counter joke. So he was like, what does Ramel look like? So I said, I'm right, he's a brown-skinned kid, you know, kind of bigger or whatever. So he said, this is what you tell Ramel. Because my pops was big on letting me handle my own conflicts. Like, he mm -hmm. wasn't going to get on the bus and press no 14-year-old. He was like, you say to Ramel, you say, Ramel, I am black. So I'm telling me I'm not black. And you would be light-skinned too if you took showers. Ooh. Right? So I was practicing the joke. I was practicing the joke, practicing the joke. And finally, because my father was all about the delivery. You got to say it at the right time. You can't be stumbling and fumbling and bumbling on this joke. So I practiced it all day. So I went back and I gave him, I told my father a joke. He said, cool, I'm going to give you a follow-up joke. Right? So I said, boom, now I have two jokes going into the bus. So the next day I go into the bus and, you know, Keisha's there. There goes my son. There goes my son. And, of course, Ramel comes over. Yo, that's not your son. He's not black. He's not even black. And I said, shut up, Ramel. Because I was six, so my voice was that high. <laughs> I said, shut up, Ramel. Stop telling me I'm not black. You would be light-skinned, too, if you took showers. So <laughs> since I was six, it was, like, cute to everybody, right? Like, oh, they was like, oh, he got you, Ramel. We got you, Ramel. So Ramel was like, ha-ha, funny, funny. But what he didn't know mm -hmm. was I had to follow-up follow up, Joe. Joe. You hit him with the one and the and two. And the one and the two. So then mm. after that, everybody was laughing. I said, and while you at it, get a bra for them titties. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was heavy set. Oh, and he had no. little man boobs at 14. Oh, so everybody no. was like, oh. Mm -mm -mm. So at that point, I was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I won. I won that battle. You sure did. But you know how it affected me? For a long time, especially through high school, 
I always wondered, like, why am I so light-skinned? Mm -hmm. You know, and it did affect me because for a long time, from six to seven, I was like, damn, am I really black? Mm -hmm. Because I just don't look like all the other black people that was on the bus. Right. And even though it was all jokes and it was fine, I was able to get through it, I kind of wanted to know, like, why why am I light-skinned? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I'm black and we're all black, and when you look at history of all the, you know, prominent black people back in the day, they were brown skin. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder why I look like that. And as a child, you want your parents to give you the history of who you are. Absolutely. And, and if they can't give you today. the history, baby, you're going to search for it now. Facts. Right? We searching. Facts. We on a mission, y'all. Pull up in that monster automobile gangster uh -huh. with a bad bitch that uh -huh. came from Sri Lanka. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm in that Tonka color of Willy Wonka. You could be the king, but, but watch, watch the, the queen, queen conquer. conquer. First things first, I'll eat your brain. Uh -huh. Then I'ma start rocking gold teeth and fangs. What? Cause that's what a motherfucking monster, monster do. do. Hairdresser from Milan, that's a monster do. Monster uh -huh. just be healed in the monster shoe. Yeah, uh -huh. money is the roster and the monster crew. And I'm pull up, pull up, pull up, 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 up in the face with the money, money bank. bank. Ah! Then I ain't the the money ain't. Right. <laughs> you did all right. You did all right. <laughs> Ooh, you know, I have to control my breathing. My favorite part was coming I'm up. I'm all up, all up, all up in the bank with the funny, funny face. And I ain't fake. I ain't noticed because your money ain't... Wait, let me get this right. Shake. Yeah, go. So let me get this straight. Wait, Wait I'm, I'm the, the rookie, rookie and my features in the show. Ten, ten times, times you pay. pay. 50K for a verse. No album out. Got my money so tall that, that my body's got to climb it. Hotter than the Middle East to climb it. Tony Mataranda to wine it. Nikki, Nikki. Oh, man. She killed that. She smashed that freaking verse, y'all. She killed that. Smashed it. Um, so yeah. I hope y'all were able to sing along. <clears throat> Nikki was good for that. That voice, that that like breathing control that you had to have on that. That's I was why it's stuck. A, a gift. That's why it's a gift. And performing Ooh. that. Yes. Performing that is crazy. So shout out to Nikki Minaj. Trina Gyal. Yes, yes. All yes. right. So yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. Let yes. me catch my breath so I can actually <laughs> finish the podcast and actually talk to y'all. All right, so we let, let's get back into story time and how you were having somewhat of an identity crisis. Yeah, I was having <laughs> a, a tenth life identity crisis because it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a midlife, it wasn't even a quarter life crisis. I was six. You were six, and I can't even say it's a tenth life crisis because I I, I hope to live way longer than sixty years old. Absolutely, so, you will. Yes, I will. I call it a fifth life crisis. <laughs> if I could be one twenty, then I've reached my potential. At, at, at <laughs> there you go. I think in one twenty years you'll have done everything you're supposed to do. But um, I remember feeling like I just wanted to know why I looked the way I looked, mm -hmm. who I was. Um, I've always been big on history. Even as a child, I just wanted to know. I used to ask my grandparents a lot of questions and ask my parents a lot of questions and look at photographs of my family and used to just see like a, a mix of people. But I just wanted to know where did they come from? Mm-hmm. You know, and no, that's that's um, I can totally relate to that because growing up, too, I was also kind of, you know, teased in a sense, I guess mm -hmm. not bullied per se, but just teased. You know, kids will always kids kind of pick out, pick out something that they want to just kind of get on you about. Anything and for different. me, it was like um, having really hairy arms and legs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, like, not just no regular hairy, like hairy, hairy to the point now where it was a thing where when I used to lotion my arms and legs, like before gym class, because my mm -hmm. mom would like pack my gym bag with my uniform and mm -hmm. she'd be like, you know, make sure you're not ashy and put lotion on. So I put the lotion on my legs and I would have to like strategically like 
not go back and forth, but like <laughs> like lotion downward. I know what you mean. So the hairs could all like lay lay down the same direction. in the same direction yeah, because I look hairy. crazy that's as a girl with mad hairy legs and arms, and the hair is going in mad different directions. Yeah, that's kind of wild. And then and shout out to my father that eventually allowed me to shave my legs because he totally felt like the hair on my body was like the gift from God that all women should have for the rest of their life. Self love. He Absolutely he loves he, not. He, he got. <laughs> <laughs> you could love that joint on your wife, but on me, no, that was a big battle. It's like Khadija shaved her legs. Oh my God. Let's like send out, you know, the army and the military because I got she a, shaved a very her legs. explicit joke that your pops told me one time. Oh, please don't repeat it. <laughs> like, please, please don't. Um, <laughs> but they, I used to be called Wolverine till teen wolf, things like that. So Dang. my dad and mom would just explain it. Like, you know, that's just your Indian side. Like, you know, Indian people are super hairy. So, and I'd be like, Oh, I didn't know. So I'm right. Indian. Okay. Yeah. You're Indian and you're black. I'm like, okay, cool. Right. That was enough for me. Right. Um, but then now we have resources out there yes. like yes. a 23 and me. Right. Okay. And they're able to give us a report on where you really come from, right. which and is pretty fascinating to me. Part of the reason why we we chose to work with 23andMe is because it's not only about where you come from, mm -hmm. why you look the way you look, mm -hmm. but they also give you a report for um, some health risks that may be a product of your ancestry. Yes. So you could find out it's not a diagnosis, it's not mm -hmm. a cure, it's not mm -hmm. going to tell you how to fix anything, right. but it'll tell you because of where you've come from mm -hmm. and what you are, these are the risks, the associated risks that could be Right. A problem for you based on your blood. Oh, for sure. Well, not blood, excuse me, based on your genetics. Absolutely. DNA. And I feel like, you know, as a parent of four boys, it's really important for us to, you know, not only model what it means to be healthy and productive, but to also use the knowledge that we have to teach them how to best take care of yeah. themselves. So in this episode, we're going to talk through the genetic risks and some strengths found in the 23andMe profiles that we were able to get through our yes. reports. And also, too, I don't know if you guys listened back to a couple episodes, maybe last season when we spoke to Dr. Brown about health risks that black yes. males face even. Yes. And how to consider, you know, what's the best guide that we can give our boys to live happier, long, longer, healthier lives. Yes. Um, than we could have imagined or than our that our parents could have imagined. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, I think, too, is just feeling like we're predisposed to certain illnesses or predisposed to certain health yes. risks because it runs in the family. That's always the thing. Oh, you know, doing that, that report when you get to the doctor's office and they want to know the history, not just of right. your health, but of your right. parents and your grandparents going down that entire gamut could be very exhausting for some of us because there's so many things that you hear about run in the family, but it makes me really wonder, and I've wondered this for years now, does it really run in the family or are we just products of our environment and the things that we had to endure for that's, years? That's a good point. I mean, when we talk about my family, for example, I'll just give you one brief aspect of my report that I found out. But um, mm -hmm. I'm Alzheimer's. You know, mm -hmm. I have a, a genetic trait that makes me at higher risk for dementia. Mm -hmm. And I look at my grandmother who ended up developing dementia. And currently now she has to be in assisted living home, Della. Della May, she dropped the Perry. It's Della May Ellis. <laughs> love now, I love my grandma. She watched me every summer from as young as I can remember till I was about 14 and started playing organized sports. And then my Uncle Charles, who, um, Uncle Charles was like one of the most vibrant men I ever met in my life. Like, mm -hmm. he just, every time you see him, you would say, What's up, Uncle Charles? You'd say something, he'd have a song related to what you said. I was going to say that. I remember him always singing. Yeah, yeah. and he would sing and, and he was just always smiling and always in a good mood. And he developed um, early onset Alzheimer's um, in his late 50s, wow. which is a shock to all of us because he, that's young. Mm -hmm. That's extremely wrong. But when you think about 
what you're predisposed to or have a higher risk at genetically, mm-hmm. um, you can adjust your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to my cousin, Kimberly, mm-hmm. who is now like his caretaker and, and helps take care of him a lot. Um, she was saying, had they known, you know, all of these things, mm-hmm. um, he could have changed things in his life to either prolong his ability to have a normal life or prevented it all together from happening Absolutely. because he developed lesions in his brain. And those lesions came from stress lack mm-hmm. of sleep, mm-hmm. also diet, right? And the reason why this is important is because we're so used to um, teaching our kids traditions mm-hmm. and conditioning them to be a certain way, especially our our black men. And I say that because we have young, we have sons. So mm-hmm. when we talk to our boys, like, be tough, you know, team, no sleep. You work hard, you do this, you do that. And you really don't take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. When we spoke to Dr. Brown, I remember him saying that one night of bad sleep can be the equivalent of a month of poor diet. Three months. Three, three months was, of that a poor was, diet. That's what was most mind-blowing to me. I'm like, three months of eating bad? Which Damn. is crazy because think about how many people, for example, my Uncle Charles worked two and three jobs, you know, because he was uh, consistently trying to make ends meet. And he was trying to not only help his family, but he helped so many other people. Mm-hmm. So on, he was a deacon in a church. Shout out Salem Missionary Baptist Church. When he had any extra time, he was also doing his de- deacon duties. Mm-hmm. He was also, also a Boy Scout leader. So he was always investing his time in his community and trying to take care of his family. And he really didn't take care of himself. And the reason why that is important is because you and I talk about using this opportunity as young parents with young kids to teach our kids how to take care of themselves from young, mm-hmm. not only in getting enough sleep, but also what you eat, mm-hmm. you know, and mental health is important. Physical health is important. And the best way to go about creating a plan for both mm-hmm. is knowing where you come from. Like I said in my soundbite, you can't know where you're going mm-hmm. unless you know where you've been. You know what? Something you said was pretty interesting and it triggered in me mm-hmm. the idea when you said that our parents' generation, for example, like Uncle Charles' generation, mm-hmm. They worked so hard, even Nana, so hard to ensure that their children were okay and their children's children, because you and I were both pretty much raised by parents, but grandparents as well. Absolutely. Which is even more special that we have the opportunity to have our parents around for our children now. Mm -hmm. But we a lot of times put the onus on our parents to say they didn't do this for us. They didn't equip us to be like this. They dropped the ball with that. We tend to be kind of hard right. on our parents right. when we don't realize that they were really doing everything within their power to make sure that we would be okay to provide for us. Mm-hmm. And that in turn created environments for lack of sleep, mm-hmm. um, for stress. Yes. They were under a lot of stress just trying to be able to make things work for us. I yes. think about my parents who came from Jamaica and St. Vincent mm-hmm. at young ages with just a suitcase and a dream. Yeah. You know, so yeah. the, the lack of sleep, for example, that I saw my mother have to endure because she was just trying to give us everything. Right. Right. We kind of have to give them a little bit of grace in that situation. Give them a little bit of grace. It, yeah. Give I, them all the grace. I, I honestly right. feel like millennials and Gen Z. Uh, is it Gen Zers? Because yeah. we're millennials, millennials and Gen Zers. Yeah. We, we do a great job of pointing out all of our parents flaws. Mm hmm. Right. Like I think that's all the become, trauma, all the trauma, everything's yeah. generational trauma. And even we've talked about generational trauma. Yes. But what you don't realize is that you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. There was no 23 and me back then. Mm-hmm. Technology didn't exist back then. The science wasn't as good back then. So our parents weren't given the tools we have to be parents now. And a lot of times we always talk down about what our parents did wrong mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, well, you know what? I survived. I'm here. Right. So and they I'm had doing to pretty be doing, damn good. Right. They had to be doing something right. Yes. You know, it's not about what you did wrong, but it's like, now that we know better, let's do better. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you on that. Like, our parents did not, like, like for example, my father, when it comes to history, 
yeah, he spoke to his mom and his dad, and he spoke to his grandmother and his grandfather. But now I'm able to get extensive history. For example, on the report, I found out that this helped me with my um, my identity crisis. <laughs> but um, I found out that I'm 80, I think 80% Sub-Saharan African. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I did when I found this out, and I think I'm of that 80%, I'm 60% Nigerian. Mm. So I called my brother. Cheeto, Cheeto, sisters, and I said, "Yo, Cheeto, guess what, man? I'm Nigerian too." And the first thing he said was, "Oh, my brother, <laughs> we do this for the green and the white." But it was like to find out to find out that um, I'm 80 percent Sub-Saharan African, plus knowing my family's history, mm-hmm. right? Then I found out I'm 17 percent or 18 percent European, mm-hmm. and I think two percent or less than two percent. Um, indigenous, mm-hmm. which is kind of maybe a flip for what you thought. You probably thought you were more. Indigenous. I thought I was more indigenous yeah. because of my family's history. My right. family's history, um, from my mom's side, uh, came from reservations, mm-hmm. and they walked the Trail of Tears from Virginia all the way when Western expansion happened after Africa. Mm-hmm. So we found out going back, going back, and doing history. Me and my sister started to put things together, and we did the Twenty Three and Me. But we also just spoke to a lot of people in the family to find out who was who, mm-hmm. and because of our complexion, we thought that we were more indigenous mm-hmm. than African. And we found out that we're more African and more white, which means our ancestors were part of the enslaved people that walked mm. the Trail of Tears as a part of the cargo that the indigenous people received when they were forced to move out of the reservations in Virginia. Wow. So, you know, it, it helps you That's not a only... rich, rich history. So it also helps you find out not... Not who you are, but exactly mm-hmm. the place you played in that social structure yes. that walked. So, yes, we walked the Trail of Tears, but my family walked the Trail of Tears as enslaved people. Mm-hmm. They didn't walk the Trail of Tears as indigenous people right. that, you know, that, that went out west So and went down south. But that also made me feel super proud, mm-hmm. right? And this is a different take than other people take on slavery, but this is the take I take on it, right? If my family was able, as enslaved people, to exist and walk thousands of miles and survive and be able to create a family structure that is able to create my grandparents and then my parents and then me, those had to be some strong people. That is a fact. And that has to be something you have to be proud of. You know what I'm saying? I mean, exactly. When you say there's something that you can't do, it's just like, bro. Right. My people were equipped to do this Absolutely. from years ago. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it also explains my complexion, right? Why do I look uh, fairer skinned? Mm-hmm. Because I'm closer to 20% European and 80% African. Right. And I thought I was more fairer skinned because I was more indigenous because my families walked, my family walked the trail of tears, uh, trail of tears. Now, excuse me. My sister went as far back as to research names associated with my family. Mm. And what we found out was we thought the Jacksons, that's my which is funny because my son's name is Jackson. Right. But we thought the Jacksons were the indigenous people who took the land, took the name, and continued to grow westward with that name Jackson. But after doing research, we found out that Jackson was the name given to the enslaved people when they were distributed to the indigenous people. Mm. So we really found out the details that were associated with our family and was able to say, ah, so these, this is where we stood in that, in that time. Right, right, right. That is so interesting. Well, listen, y'all, usually we do an explanation of karaoke, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so you understand why 
the song had anything to do with the episode, right? Yes. So we're talking 23andMe reports. We're talking about health. What does Monster have to even do with this, huh? So let me uh, give y'all a little insight. So after teaming up with 23andMe and we were able to not only pinpoint the location of our ancestry, but we're able to see all the genetics and stuff. The location mm-hmm. was interesting for me because like I said earlier, I was just always told, oh, you know, you're Jamaican and Indian, you're black and Indian. You look at my mom and dad, she's right. a black woman. He looks like he can be Indian. Great. So I guess we weren't too far off because according to my report, mm-hmm. let me pull it up. Drum roll, please. That's my drum roll, y'all. Because <laughs> if I clap, Trouble is going to be mad. Right. She always told me don't, don't clap. clap in the mic. So I'm not. So this is going to be my drum roll. Ready? <laughs> so it says that I am 50.7% Central and South Asian. Okay. Which could be Indian. However, it is split between Southern Indian and Sri Lankan and Northern Indian and Pakistani. So I'm with a bad bitch that, that came, came from, from Sri Lanka. Lanka. <laughs> y'all, that's me. Yo, Nikki was talking about me, y'all. <laughs> Ends episode. Bye. Oh, no, 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 no. Because it was another part, too. It tells you where your family, more than likely during the slave trade, landed. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So let me so. give y'all the rest of the tea first about who I am. <laughs> Allow me to reintroduce y'all, <laughs> y'all to me. Um, yeah, so that's um, Southern and Northern Indian and Sri Lankan and Pakistani. So mm-hmm. that's the region. And then I am 41.7% Sub-Saharan African, particularly West African, with majority of that being Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. Liberian or Sierra, Sierra Leonean. Yep, Sierra Leonean. Sierra Leonean. So isn't that pretty cool? Yes. My old manager at Max, she's from Sierra Leone. So I want to call her up and be like, girl, <laughs> girl. <laughs> and Bafo sisters. too, man. Shout out to Bafo. Oh, yeah, Ghanaian. shout out to Bafo. Yeah. He's also Ghanaian. So yeah, so 41% or 41.7%. And then the remainder, which is another um, 7%, mm. is European. So that's actually a very small percentage of right. British and Irish as okay. the majority under the European scope for me. So... Now that y'all know who I really am. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was pretty interesting for me to see. So just going under the umbrella of saying, oh, hey, I'm Indian. Um, Not quite. I mean, it gives me a little bit more specific. And then, like you said, the great thing about this 23andMe report is that it also gives you the region that Mm -hmm. your family was most likely dropped off at. Right. And it was very, very, very accurate. It told me Jamaica. Mm hmm. Particularly Clarendon. And part of me was like, have y'all been like peeking through my window? Have y'all been going through my stuff? <laughs> you know, people get skeptical about these things. I'm right, like, listen, y'all, they, right. if you have an iPhone, they have all y'all joint already anyway. So it don't that even matter. True. That is true. Um, but, that um, is true. But yeah, so it made me think like, oh, wow, you know, they're very specific about where we ended up. They mm-hmm. put Jamaica down, um, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, it which is where dad. my dad is from. And then um, as well, we saw a little bit of Trinidad. And your dad said you have family in Trinidad. In Trinidad. I have ton of, Nicki Minaj is my family in Trinidad. There you That's go. why she wrote a song about me. Like, maybe, hello. She, maybe she knew. That's why she kissed <laughs> it with a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Maybe she knew too. Listen, okay. Maybe she's maybe Sri Lankan. Her, that's, that is a fact. True. That's true. Nikki, let me know. Because we can do... Like, let's let's, cr- yeah, let's cross-reference these results, you know? Um, but it's very interesting, too, because when I think about it, there's so many different... Like, for example, in St. Vincent alone, mm-hmm. if you go to the island, there are a ton of different 
people in St. Vincent. It's Absolutely. not just people who are from, as we know now, South Asia, right. but there are blacks, there are whites there. Same is to be said for Jamaica. Jamaica mm-hmm. has a lot of Asian people, not just Indian Asian, but also Asian as in maybe yeah. from China. Yeah. Um. So it's very, very interesting to see where exactly you might have landed in this yeah. world. It makes you feel like, wow, you may potentially have a greater connection to a certain area and it explains Absolutely. why. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty cool results here. Um. Let's dive into more of the health now. Absolutely, yeah. Because in the report, they give you an extensive health report to let right. you kind of know what you may be predisposed to because of genetics. Mm-hmm. It can also be, I'm thinking, because of geographic location. Right. Okay, what were the available resources to you? What was the the the, the nurture nature right. side of things? Right. And then it also makes me think about having to survive by any means necessary. So it required that our family, our ancestors, be able to care for themselves or feed their families by eating certain things that then induce certain illnesses. That would be more of a nurture. That's more more of the nurture nurture side, right. So let's dive in. You spoke about Alzheimer's already. Right. um, From your parents uh, and your grandparents' sides. And then it looks like both of us, after comparing the, re- the the results, have hypertension. Yes, that runs on on both sides. Yes. So we both have the genetic trait that makes us at higher risk for hypertension. And black people already, in general, have a higher risk for that um, compared to white counterparts for high yes. blood pressure, and they're less likely to have it under control. So we can talk let's about let's unpack why that. Yeah, they're less likely to have it under control, and this this goes to what we also spoke spoke about with Dr. Brown mm-hmm. was. Uh, African-Americans and Caribbean-Americans uh, disapproval and distrust in the medical system, in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. You know, because of things like the Tuskegee experiment, mm-hmm. there's been, a, and, and that's not the only one, but there's been, that's the most popular one that people talk about. Right. Um, there has been a huge distrust that has grown between the black community and the healthcare community because of false tests mm-hmm. and things they were, we were given um, diseases like syphilis oh, for, for sure. to figure out if they can find cures and see what the long-term effects would be. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, black people never felt comfortable going mm-hmm. to their health care providers. Mm-hmm. So, and as a black man, I know, you know, I, I, I lost, I have a buddy who lost his dad mm-hmm. recently. We're at that age now where I know, you know, our dads are 50, 60 years old, some yeah. of them 70 years old. Like your dad just recently turned 70. And my buddy lost his dad, and I was just like, man, you know, how'd you lose your dad? He's like, oh, he had blood pressure issues. And I was like, oh, it was, it was an issue? He said, no, it wasn't really an issue. He just didn't want to take his medication. Mm-hmm. And I was just That's like, why, why wouldn't he take his medication? Yeah. And he was like, well, the blood pressure medication um, gave him erectile dysfunction. Mm. Because the blood, you know, the penis is a muscle, but it requires right. blood to become blood erect. Flow. And when the blood flow becomes an issue, it causes an issue with erectile dysfunction and mm. he didn't want to have that issue so he's just like oh I can I can manage this on my own right went to sleep one night and just never woke never up woke in the up. morning that's why because blood pressure is like a silent killer mm-hmm. you feel like you're fine and then boom mm-hmm. you know something happens and there are always socioeconomic reasons why like when you read something like that and it's just like black you know African Americans are are believed to be at a higher risk and less likely to have it under control mm-hmm. they say it as if we just don't have stuff under control. They don't speak about the unmitigating factors, yeah. like um, the fact that we 
have health care issues. The fact right. that we can't afford health care at a higher rate than our white counterparts because Absolutely. socioeconomically, we majority of black people in America live below the poverty line. Oh, for sure. None of that you is know? really unpacked. It's just kind of an umbrella term that we use right. for, for blacks. Just at a higher risk. Yeah. But had a higher risk, why? Why? And is it nature versus nurture? Yeah, so, absolutely. Knowing yeah. these things will help us make better decisions for our children and our future. That's yeah. why I keep saying you can't know where you're going till you know where you've been. Think about diet. When you say um, African-Americans, for example, are believed to carry a gene that makes us more salt sensitive. Right. Like if that's true or not, we don't know. But what tends to happen, for example, way, way back in the day during the enslaved times, right? Mm-hmm. You're given the scraps to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They'll take the, they'll, they'll be the pig, but they'll give you. They'll take the pork shoulder. Right. They'll take the pork roast. The they'll rump, take the, the, the healthier, the healthier I mean, meats, the, the white meat, meats, meatier meats. Yeah. And they'll exactly. give you the feet, the snout. The tail. The tail. What else? The tongue. The uh, the tongue. The intestines. The intestines. Which the is tribes. now called well, chitlins. Chitlins. Which, yep. Or chitterlings. <laughs> and it's a delicacy, a very expensive delicacy now. Well, listen, you know, I remember the first time your father <laughs> tricked me into trying chitterlings, okay? I remember walking into your house and I was like, yo. I was like, why does it smell like hot armpit in here? <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? So I was like, hot all right. Armpit. It, was, it did smell like hot armpit. They were I was cleaning like, the chitlins. What is going chitlins. on in here? So your father <laughs> was over there, you know, making this pot of something. And he didn't tell me what it was. And mm. me being of Caribbean descent, I don't think I've ever had chitlins. Like we've had tripe. I've never actually had it. But mm. my family will curry some tripe whenever mm. they're ready, you know. So I remember Can walking into what the tripe house. Is? Tripe is the intestine of the cow. Okay. Yeah. So it's the same as chitlins. Yeah. So chitlins it's the same is the intestine thing. of the pig. Exactly. Exactly. And the it, stomach lining. It likely smelled like ass too when my grandmother was <laughs> making the tripe. But mm. I definitely felt like I walked in the house and it smelled like hot ass and armpit. So I was like, damn. So your father was just like, oh man, try this. It's mm. like, you know, he was excited about, it. you know, your father get excited father about food. Excited. Yeah, he, and he if he food. say it tastes good, I'm going to trust that it yeah. tastes good because he is definitely a good judge of food, right? Mm. So I remember that, and he took out the hot sauce. He had the um, the yeah. Frank's Red Hot Frank's hot Red sauce. Hot, okay, yeah. so that's like a staple in your household. So he was lathering on that hot sauce. He's like, "You like hot sauce? You like spice, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." So he's lathering on that hot sauce, and I'm like, "Yeah, give me more hot sauce," because you know I love hot sauce. You love spicy food, man. When I took a bite of that, me trying to be polite. <laughs> I don't eat chitlins like, neither, so you ain't you ain't this is making a, me feel no way. This is an interesting, <laughs> interesting taste. Uh, the texture is quite, you know, chewy. It's gummy. It's a little gummy. Mm-hmm. What exactly is this? And he's like, man, this is chitlins. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just ate. I said, first of all, my Adventist family barely eats pork, okay? Right, my right, mom doesn't eat right, it at all. My right. dad. I remember this. My dad, you know, he, he'll he'll dip and dab in a little pork. But um, Your father don't dip and dab. Your father, father loves curry, not curry, or jerk pork. <laughs> a jerk pork. He <laughs> love a jerk pork. You got some of that jerk pork. Yeah. That jerk pork. So, you know, definitely. So I was like, oh my God. I'm like, what if I, what if it was against my religion to eat these chitlins? It should be against anybody's religion to eat them chitlins. So in that moment, I'm just saying that to say, <laughs> you get the pig intestines. You put everything you need to put in it, whether it's the salt, whether it's the sugar, whether it's the butter. You gotta make it taste that you, good. You have to make it taste good. And if you're feeding your family the scraps, you yeah. had to find a way to make it taste good. So that meant excess salt, excess sugar, butter, gravy, lard, gravy, all of Hot those sauce. things. Do we not think that that's eventually going to affect? Yes. That becomes a culture. Something like a blood pressure. Yes, yes. Eating all of that salt and sugar, and then coupling it with rice. 
Oh my god! Because moving on to diabetes, right? Right. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect segue to diabetes. So if you, can if I you, give them a little ahead. fact real quick, if you don't mind, and then you can elaborate on it? But type two diabetes has a stronger link to family history and lineage than type one, and studies of twins shown that. The genetics play a very strong role in the development of type 2 diabetes and race can also play a role in this as well. Absolutely. But type 2 diabetes is completely preventable through your lifestyle choices. So that's why I'm glad. I'm, I'm actually happy you read that first. Because mm-hmm. if you think about lifestyle choices. Yes. Right, think about our cultures. You, we're both people of color, but we both have mixes of different colors in mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. right but one thing is consistent all of those different colors have gone through hardships because of colonialism absolutely and part of colonialism meant that the, their people were marginalized mm-hmm. and when you're marginalized you have to find ways to survive mm-hmm. so you just talked about all the scraps you were given right mm-hmm. you're given the pig snout the pig mm-hmm. tail the pig hooves um the stomach lining and the intestines yep that's not a lot of the pig nope but you still have to feed a family. Mm-hmm. So how do you make this meal good enough for the family? You, you take all that stuff up, you make a gravy, mm-hmm. and you sprinkle it over large tubs of rice so mm. that these people can still work. And be full. And, be, and, and Burn that, the energy off. Yeah. And that becomes the culture. For example, think about the movie Soul Food. Mm-hmm. Think about how ironic, how ironic Soul Food is. Every Sunday, this family got together. To fix this food mm-hmm. that was filled with saturated fats and sugars mm-hmm. and butters mm-hmm. and oils and salts and starch. Mm-hmm. Big Mama, who was the epicenter of the family, ends up dying from diabetes yep. caused by eating this food. Yep. And you know how they celebrated her death? Getting together to eat more food. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the culture, yeah. right? So when you say African-Americans and race or Caribbean-Americans are more susceptible to type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. because of culture, that's true. Yes. Because we make lifestyle choices based on tradition. Absolutely. And if tradition means that you're slowly killing yourself, some of us are not aware enough to realize that that's exactly what we're existing in. We're existing in a tradition that's slowly killing us. Mm-hmm. And that segues us to talking into children mm-hmm. and how using this 23andMe report helped us make greater lifestyle choices Absolutely. for our sons. For example, tell them the story about the porridge. Oh, yeah. In the morning. Right, 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 right. So I actually have two stories related to like diabetes, if you want to say it could be a segue to it. Mm-hmm. The porridge was some, well, porridge is something that is very big in a Caribbean household. You can yes. make different types of porridge. There's plant and porridge, there's cornmeal porridge, there's mm-hmm. hominy corn porridge. Um, and that's something that my grandmother gave us as babies my mom and her siblings mm-hmm. had that as they were growing up. And it's a staple. You go to any Caribbean restaurant, you're going to definitely find cornmeal porridge or some sort of porridge yeah. as a breakfast item. Yes. But when you really dissect what it is, it's corn, mm-hmm. which is a starch, okay, which I learned later on in life. I always thought corn was a vegetable and it was my no. favorite. It ain't a vegetable. It's a starch. Mm-hmm. So you're having corn that's dried up and milled. Mm-hmm. And then you proceed to boil it in water with milk. And mm-hmm. then you have, you know, your cinnamon, your nutmeg, right. things to make it taste good. And then you have to add the sugar. Of course. And you're not just adding no regular sugar. It's the condensed milk. <laughs> right? You have to say it like that. The condensed the milk. Condensed right? Milk. The condensed yes. milk. Or condensed milk. And that is just even more so. All that turns thick into sugar. sugar. It's just yeah. all sugar. It's literally all sugar between yeah. the condensed milk yeah. and the corn. You're eating sugar for breakfast. Every day. And I remember as a kid smelling it in the air when my mm-hmm. mom would be making it and I would start to instantly like cry because I hated porridge. It was a texture thing for me. Yeah, you kid, just didn't you know? like the porridge. Right? But when it came to my children, even my grandmother, you know, yeah. bless her heart, love her. She comes and stays with us, you know, pre-COVID, like every, mm-hmm. 
you know, holiday season. And she was just recently here with us for a month. And she was like, wait, you don't start the baby pancom in porridge yet? And I was kind of like, <laughs> well, yeah, grandma, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to just give it to him in moderation because I just don't want, because even when I gave it to the kids growing mm. up, like I never put too much sugar in it. Right. But it really is just a filler. Yeah. So when I said to her, you know, grandma, nowadays we don't really give too much porridge and cereal and all that in the milk. So, you know, her and my mom look at each other and they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh no, young people, them, mm-hmm. you like to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like after, after, after you raise pancan meal porridge, oh, you mean, oh, you mean. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, grandma, you know, it's just a filler now. So why not give the baby right. like actual like protein or like vegetables for breakfast mm-hmm. versus just giving filler stuff? And she said, mm-hmm. And that's why the baby not sleep at night. <laughs> you must put look a porridge in him buckle and then we'll drink it and sleep. We're not tired. Look upon you. Look upon the valve. We're not tired. And I'm like, I know, Grandma. I know we're tired, but we're just not going to give him like a filler right. just to right. make him sleep longer. You know right. what I'm saying? So that. And then think about this. You go to your favorite Caribbean restaurant, right? Look forward to going home so we can go Yard Style or any other mm. restaurant that we enjoy. Shout eat. out Yard Style. Yeah. Golden um, Crust. Flatlands between 105th and 104th. Please go support like Yardstown in Brooklyn, yo. Facts. That's how people's over there. Yes, yes, they make yes. the best oxtail. The best oxtail and some yes. really good stew chicken and some, oh, the chicken soup slap. Yes. But anyway, when you go there, my only gripe with, with them and any restaurant that's yeah. of Caribbean flavor, you're going to ask for a large oxtail, for example. Mm-hmm. What kind of rice? Rice and peas. Well, first, before you even get there, you have to ask, do you have oxtail? Because <laughs> you're liable to order it and them say what? Me we not have, have that. that, right? So yes. if them have it, <laughs> yes. you order your rice and peas mm. and your oxtail. And you literally get rice and peas with a side of oxtail yes. and maybe either a steamed veg or a yes. salad, right? And you'd be pissed because you just paid almost $30 for a large oxtail. But. And there's about four pieces in it. But. Mad rice. There's two things. Number one, it's not just the business structure. Mm-hmm. When your mom makes my plate, or when she used to make my plate, she mm-hmm. used to pile my plate up with rice too. That's just And then what put we like a small piece of chicken. And I used to be like, yo, this is not going to work for me. It's not. That's it's just not. the culture. It's just rice, rice, you rice. You put mad rice on it. and But what happened though? The rice slap, right? Because we're not just making any regular old mm-hmm. rice. It's rice with the coconut milk. Coconut milk, yeah. You know, you put a piece of skeleton in it. You put some thyme. You put some seasoning. Yeah. You put some peas. And that in itself, is a meal like yeah. I've had moments where I'm like just give me the rice and peas with some gravy and I'm good to yeah. go yeah. you know extra gravy upon the rice so all of that essentially turns into sugar. sugar it's a starch and that is in turn why I feel like a lot of people of Caribbean descent mm-hmm. have sugar as sugar, we call have it the sugar. same thing down south yeah that we have same sugar down south. and that's why you have diabetes because of that mm-hmm. and that's just a thing that we've learned over the years if it's not going to be rice and peas it's ground provision you eat your dashing you eat your yam you eat those things right. those are all starch rooted right. items you and know? they all convert to sugar yeah and that's what what Kadeen and i talk about on nature versus nurture that's more of nurture mm-hmm. now the next thing i want to talk about is a little bit more nature mm-hmm. sickle cell Mm-hmm. Um, Kadeen has the sickle cell trait So we necessarily didn't need the 23andMe report To tell us this yes. But we, the reason why we bring this up Is because in the 23andMe report You'll find out about that Because of your genetics mm-hmm. And it was interesting enough for us Because when Kadeen got pregnant With Jackson She was running through the full gamut Of everything she needed Oh yeah, uh, To prepare for the pregnancy And that's when we found out That Kadeen has the sickle cell trait Yes. So then they asked me immediately Deval, do you have the sickle cell trait? And Mm -hmm. I had never asked my entire life At this point I'm 20 
about to be 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I never asked my physician if I had the sickle cell trait. Or your mom. Or my I don't mom. think it was even a thing, like to hear even, like of course you hear of the disease sickle cell anemia. Right. But you never even, I never even heard of the trait or well, potentially carrying my it prior mom knew, to that. My mom knew because the minute I asked, she said, no, you don't have the trait. Mm. And I said, and I guess, you know, now now when I think about it, the reason why she never told me I had the trait is because since I didn't have the trait, right. I didn't have anything to, to worry about. Yeah, it was but nothing But if to I did have the trait, I would have had to say to you, mm-hmm. I have the trait. Because if I have the sickle cell trait and Gadeen has the sickle cell trait, it's more than likely that one of our children or all of our children could be born with sickle cell anemia. Full blown, right. Full blown. And uh, it's important for you to know these, I don't want to call them health risks, but these genetic traits. Because when you're dating mm-hmm. someone... You wouldn't want to know, hey, if we decide to have children, our children could be born with an immune deficiency because we both have the trait. Absolutely. And we found out that three of our four boys have the trait. Right. Jackson so, is the only one right. who doesn't have the trait. But right. Cairo, Kaz, and Dakota all have the sickle they cell trait. They all have the sickle cell trait, exactly. So that's something we have to make sure yeah. that they know. Um, when you also, think about it, gun. oh, when you think about it too, when you are pregnant, it's like your body goes under this mini stress test. So they want to test everything. So anything right. that potentially may show up in your life or in your history is going right. to show up while you're pregnant. So in that, I was able to find out I had the sickle cell trait, and it was a thing where I even called my brother and my sister and was like, "Hey, y'all, I had the trait." Turns out my mom had it as well, or has it as well too. So she's the one who passed it on to me. And then in turn, I pass it on to my children. Right. So when you're looking at certain things like that, that's, you know, part of history or part of your genetics. Um, not only is it important for you to know for yourself, but you need to know for your children, like we said. And right. you were going to say something else after after that. Oh, no, I was saying um, as it pertains to having children, mm-hmm. when you got the COVID, when we all got COVID the same time around mm-hmm. my birthday last year, that's when we started to see some differences in how people with sickle cell anemia or the trait respond to COVID mm-hmm. because their blood coagulates differently mm-hmm. and people were get developing blood clots and some developing strokes. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this is important is because if you have a young child, male or female, who's an athlete and they have sickle cell anemia or they may have the sickle cell anemia trait and may have suffered from COVID, that could be a reason why they may have difficulty breathing or working out after they are done with COVID. For example, we saw the young man from Florida, I can't remember his name, who passed out. I think it was two weeks after being done with COVID. He went through COVID protocols. Everything was good. And this was in 2020. Mm. He went out on his senior year, first game, was walking out in the court after a timeout and just passed out. Yep. And they didn't know what was happening until they took all the blood tests. Now, they didn't reveal because it's his family mm-hmm. what did the blood tests reveal. Mm-hmm. But over time, we found out that people with sickle cell anemia or the trait are hospitalized two to one after having COVID yeah. than people who don't. Yeah. So when you have children, it really makes you wonder, the more I know about my family, can I protect my children, even with sports, even if it doesn't have anything to do with COVID? Right. I should make sure they eat differently if their bodies require something different. Mm-hmm. Remember... um. David Price's dad, uh, God rest his soul, he passed away from cancer. Yes. But David Price's dad used to tell David all the time, man, you guys, he's Jamaican too. You guys need to eat right for your blood type. Right. And we used to be like, what does that even mean? Right. (laughs) Eat right for your blood type. Right. But then this book came out. Yes. And it was a New York Times bestseller. And we got the book and it was Mm -hmm. talking about eating right for your blood type and how we all have different genetic traits that require us because of different blood types to eat certain foods. You know what blew my mind when I read that book? Was that? So I don't know if I've ever shared on the podcast um, before, but my mother had a heart attack at 55. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is a large part 
of the reason why, aside from her helping to be a part of our village to help with our children and, you know, mm-hmm. give Deval and I some reprieve whenever we need that. My mother worked a very stressful job. Yes. She was a director of nursing for years at a nursing home. Um, prior to that, worked in home care, long-term mm-hmm. care, all that. And she was under a lot of stress. Yeah. A lot of stress. And in reading about our particular blood type, because we have the same blood type, it showed that stress, stress alone was a huge cause of potential heart attack and heart disease, heart disease disease because of our actual blood type over any other blood type. And that was just mind blowing to me because when my mother had the heart attack at 55, we could not figure out how right. you have this woman who is vibrant. She's working a lot. Right. Granted, she may not be eating the best in terms of like or frequency. eating at all. Because right. your mom, the day she had the frequency. heart attack, she hadn't eaten for 36 hours. Right. She had a half a bottle she of water. Had, yeah. She had like a, a yogurt or something. And my mother's <laughs> never had a big appetite. Like if you right. put a big plate of food in front of her, she's like, oh my God, food, you know? So she, she for the most part, didn't eat frequently, but right. she didn't eat poorly. You know, she mm. wasn't eating like the things that you say would probably make Cheetos, you more- though. Yeah, and them Cheetos have a lot of salt. She did have People bad think habits sugar like that. Is a silent killer, right? But salt is really a silent killer, yeah. guys. She was like eating salt. some. Yeah. She's eating the Cheetos. Now I think about the it, she probably was not eating well. She was that the was crunchy Cheetos, not sleeping, not drinking enough water, and, and she was working out and stressed and stressed. Yeah, so my mother was under just. Overall, a lot. Her body was yeah, her body was over, and she wasn't sleeping. Right. You know, even to this day now, she'll be like, "Oh, I can't sleep. Like, I can. I only mm-hmm. need a couple hours sleep." Um, and not then she ended up having the heart um, attack. Take the subject, but this is part of the reason why I work so hard to take care of you the way I work. I work to take care of you, mm-hmm. right? I look at the way our parents, both of them, mm-hmm. your parents and my parents, just worked. Mm-hmm. Like they just worked yeah. so hard, and yeah. I admire their ability to just work to and they only worked to create a legacy for us that's it we we both have two us. we both have a brother and a sister um they're both the leaders in their families so they both help their families as well as helping their kids mm-hmm. but i look at your mom i look at my mom my mom still works yeah right and i want to be able as just a man to be able to say you know what i made my wife's life as stress-free as possible you know what I'm saying? Yes, because I it, we have to look out for each other. Yes. And I know this is a little bit off topic, but just listening to you speak about it and thinking about how, because this is a podcast where we talk about being of service to each other. Right. When you know your partner's um, deficiencies, health right. deficiencies, right. or you know they have issues. Potential risks. Potential risks. Yeah. It, is, it, it would be in your best interest if you want your partner to be there for the long haul to make sure you do everything in your power to make sure they're good. Yeah. I know you need sleep. All the time I'm asking you because you remind me of your mom. <laughs> Constantly going, 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 yeah. going. Did you eat? Yesterday, guys, mind you, we, we went to bed late the last couple of nights. The whole podcast crew is here. Shout out. Dribble! <laughs> Matt, Dave, Josh, they all here. And uh, Kay went to bed early last night. But before she went to bed at, I think it was like 12.30, she said, oh, I didn't eat today. Mm-hmm. I literally was like, you damn, I didn't eat dinner. And you shit. see how we always talk about our parents yep. and how our parents didn't do things the right way. Here, doing the same Here we shit. are doing the same shit that they did, <laughs> talking about my parents should have did better for themselves. Right. And you don't realize that. And you so were like, well, what were you doing? Why didn't you eat? And it's like, well, shit, I had to work out because you came in and we all, we both hold each other accountable. We're, we're working, working out. out. Absolutely. And that's one thing that Val would be on my back about. And it's not mm-hmm. about just me having whatever he deems a perfect figure. He nah. wants my internal <laughs> body to be okay. After the postpartum so, pre-clamption, I'm you on you about trying to get sleep and 
and working and working out. out for sure. But I was like, shit, I was like getting the kids, you know, Kaz needed his school uniform. I was taking yeah. out clothes for the morning. This, that. There was so many things that had to be done by the end of the night once the kids yeah. were asleep that I didn't realize I didn't even freaking eat all day. No. You know, so it's just we have that accountability system with yeah. each other. And I mean, let me tell you, all days it ain't roses because he'd be like, did you work out today? <laughs> you coming to work out now? And I'm like, Fuck. attitude. I don't feel like working out because I'm just tired. But then trying to say, you know what, at the very least, like we've discovered, you told me recently that everybody should be trying to walk at least 20 minutes a day. That's bare minimum. At bare minimum. And, and here I'm going to tell y'all this, people. Walk. People, walk. listen to me right now. Because everybody got excuses. And I didn't have time. I had so much. There is nobody in the world, no matter how busy you are, don't have 20 minutes to walk straight. Just 20 minutes straight consistently yeah. every single day. Yeah. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Get up and just walk 20 minutes straight. And, and I'm not talking about a, a stroll. A, a brisk walk mm-hmm. that develops a sweat. Mm-hmm. Because when you take a stress test, the first thing they do is put you on a treadmill and make you walk make you for walk. 20 minutes yes. to see if you can sustain it. Right. You have to be able to do that. Right. It's just good for heart health. No, it's true. Now, there are some physical benefits you'll gain from walking, mm-hmm. but heart health is important. Circulation mm-hmm. is important. We're talking about mental health, the ability for your brain to relax while you just, you know, now don't even put no music. Get some meditation music mm-hmm. and just walk and don't think about anything else except just going 20 minutes straight at a brisk pace. I wish pace. I was doing that. For me, sometimes I'm, I'm like, shoot, I have to check these emails. And then I'm like, damn, I got to walk though. So sometimes I can't even have the opportunity to turn my mental off but it's like yo if I can get on this treadmill do a consistent walk and just like breeze through delete emails whatever whatever like yep. do some housekeeping stuff yep. you know little things like that do some touch bases jump on the phone with somebody and be like hey I know I'm mm-hmm. supposed to call you back like use those opportunities to be able to at least get that 20 minutes in so that's super super important um, and then I'm gonna divulge something that I probably never divulged I don't think to anyone really what's uh, that well you do know because all right, prior to having Dakota, Deval oh, and I, yeah. <laughs> Deval and I were like, you're gonna start something when they when you say this, but go ahead. You think I'm gonna start something? I know because I know the internet. I know Beyonce's <laughs> internet, and I know <laughs> the minute you say this, is people gonna be saying, "Go ahead, but go ahead." No, okay. So what we're gonna I'll, so I'll preface it by saying we're not gonna go ahead, and I'll tell you why we right. won't go ahead. So this was something that was thought out. It's not something that we just arrived at all willy nilly and was just like, "Oh, right. we'll see how it goes." So prior to even getting pregnant with Dakota, Deval and I were on the fence about four or five kids. Mm-hmm. Do we have one more or do we have two more? Mm-hmm. I will say that even while I was pregnant with Dakota through my pregnancy, I was kind of warming up to the idea of potentially having one more and hitting y'all with a back-to-back, like, bomb, yeah. bomb, like how Chiron Cass came back-to-back. Yeah. I was like, you know what? If I'm if this is going to be the end, yes. I might as well have this fourth baby, who's Dakota, mm-hmm. and then just do it one more time and get it over with. And it didn't matter All to us. All the 440s. And it didn't matter to us if it was a boy or a girl. No. Because we had this conversation before and it was yeah. just like, if we have four and we have four boys, if we try for the fifth and we have five boys, we have a full basketball team. That's a fact. But if we have four and a girl, right. then we finally got our girl. So from the very beginning when we were deciding this, yes. it was never about a certain sex right. or gender. It was just about having four or five kids. Right. Because I felt like we were in a space where initially I was like, man, I only want like two or three kids because I was yeah. thinking about our circumstance. We were in yeah. Brooklyn. We were still... Busting our ass day in and day out. We still bust our ass to this day. Absolutely. But on a different level. And we had the space here. So in my bliss, being here in our new home and being pregnant with our fourth child, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, we do have extra room. So if we did have a fifth child, no problem. A five is my favorite number. Yep. So People don't know like, that. December 5th. Yes. I was like, do we do the even thing or do we do the odd thing? So um, I was warming up to the idea of it. I will admit that. Yeah. The thing that put the kibosh in it for me, and it's one of those things where you pray for 
um, a sign. Yeah. You pray for some direction. You're like, God, you know, if this is for let me, me know. Let, let me, me know. know. If it ain't for me, remove it from my life. Mm. After having Coda at home, pristine pregnancy, pristine labor, mm. and also talking about um, the way blood coagulates. Yes. They had me on blood thinner. Blood so like thinners. a baby, yeah. I should say not blood thinner, but a baby aspirin mm. um, every day of my pregnancy with Coda because they were concerned potentially about that being an issue for me right. because of the protein the spike and that all spiked that. After, COVID after and having COVID, because I had COVID at the very beginning before I even knew I was pregnant with Coda. Right. In retrospect now, I'm like, wow, I was about five weeks pregnant right. and I had COVID and I was pregnant with Coda. So that was alarming in itself for me. But pristine pregnancy, pristine home birth, had Coda nine days later, ends up with skyrocketing yeah. blood pressure, insane headache that would not go away, mm -hmm. swelling in my, my hands and my feet. Had to go to the emergency room immediately mm -hmm. because my midwife was concerned. And when I got there, was met with a triage nurse who tried to maintain her cool, but I can yeah. also see the concern in her face mm -hmm. when she told me that I would have to be admitted immediately because my yes. blood pressure at that point was like 198 over like 99. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I'm like your normal like 120 over 60, 70 kind of person. She came into me and she said, um, hey, Mr. Ellis, um, we, have, we have your wife. We're going to admit her now. I said, is everything okay? And she said, we're going to admit her now, right now. We have to get her started on magnesium. We have to get that blood pressure down. Um, it's a good thing you brought her in. Mm -hmm. And I said, is she going to be okay? And she was just like, it's a good thing that you brought her in. And I was just like, man, is my wife going to be okay? She said, your wife could have went to sleep and not woke up. Mm -hmm. And she said, this happens more often than not to people. Mm -hmm. They feel like they have a headache. They, something's not right. And they think it's, oh, I'm not sleeping. And then you see, you know how many people come in here and they were seconds away from having an aneurysm or having a stroke or going into some sort of, of cardiac arrest because something didn't feel right and they yeah. were just going to sleep it off. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of your mom. Mm -hmm. Your mom left the gym that day, Yes, said she didn't feel well, yep. and said, I'm just going to go upstairs. And take a nap. And your, your brother said, Mom, let me check your vitals. Mm -hmm. And said, this don't feel right. We're going to the hospital. Yep. Imagine if your brother and if, if Takia or I didn't take you or your mom to the hospital. It's crazy how God works because my you brother how, wasn't even supposed to be home that day. But you see how that how how like and he was home close that is to home. Like you see how we could have been talking about your mom not being here, and we could have talking about you not being here. And th these are just regular days, right? It was nothing catastrophic that happened, right? This is a regular day right. that we made a choice to mm -hmm. go to the hospital. And you know why we didn't go that day was because Deval had to leave for the Soul Train Awards, and Cherie mm -hmm. was here doing his fitting, and I had the baby, yep. and I was just like, man, my head. Doesn't yep. feel right, but to me, in my mo in that moment, I was like, I want to make sure you're good. Like mm -hmm. we're always wanting to make sure everybody else is good, yep. and then in turn, not taking care of ourselves. So, in getting to the hospital and realizing that, wow, I was diagnosed with postpartum preeclampsia, mm -hmm. which normally you hear about preeclampsia while pregnant, so right. that's having high blood pressure issues right. during the pregnancy. Never had any sign of that. Right. So what I learned is, like I said earlier, when your body is under this mini stress test as a pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. It kind of gives you a little bit of inclination or a little triggers to let you know, hey, having high blood pressure while pregnant means that there's a very great possibility yes. that you'll have blood pressure, hypertension issues, issues in the future. In the future yeah. And that's something that I don't even want to speak over my life mm -hmm. because y'all can have y'all little triggers and y'all little, you know, pregnancy <laughs> signs, but I'm not going to speak hypertension over my life. However, I do know that it runs in my family. Right. So right. whatever I can do now right. to 
help to prevent that, whatever lifestyle changes I need to prevent now. I mean, when Devout and I sometimes meal prep now that I'm trying to like get myself back in shape after the baby and just try to be healthier and mm-hmm. live healthier, we'll cook meal prep stuff and yeah. we'll eat that and then we'll go maybe to a restaurant or eat, you know, out somewhere else. Yeah. And we'll be like, damn, wasn't that food really salty? Yeah. We're like, damn, that was really sweet. So it's almost as if your palate begins your palate. to change. Yeah. Your palate. your palate changes and it shifts. Sometimes your body requires a detox. But but let's to but kind but of start over. About that, though. If you can change your palate as an adult, you can curate a palate for a child. Absolutely. For example, our children eat sugar free ices. Mm-hmm. They don't taste any different to them because they're not even used to just eating the regular ice. We grew up on the Italian ices with mad sugar. I still eat them. Mm-hmm. Same. But what we're trying to do with all this information is curate a lifestyle for our children where they can live healthier and not have to worry about those extended pre-existing conditions because we didn't add to it with our traditional family things. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're trying to take these things away from our kids because we're still going to explain to them who they are and why we do things a certain for way. Sure. But it's just making choices. Yep. You know, make sure you guys are active all the time. Make right. sure you eat things the right way. Right. Don't put, because our kids. And in moderation. Yes, everything has to be done in yeah. moderation. Yeah. You know, so. Because what's going to happen is like, y'all not going to tell me I'm not going to eat these candy yams on, on, on Thanksgiving. Fact, facts. Okay. Facts. What you're not going to tell me is y'all going to take that, you know, pork, uh, what is it? The, the turkey neck or whatever out of the I'm gonna have <laughs> collard tur- greens. I'm going to have turkey neck and pork in my collard We're going to have the, the heavy cream and the mac and cheese. Absolutely. Like, that's what we're going to do for the holidays, but we're not eating greens. that every day. Right. right. So I say, I say we're not doing it every day, but lifestyle. I will. It's just lifestyle choices. Thanksgiving, I'll be eating it for a couple days after because that's going to get soaked <laughs> in really, really, really nicely. Um, so yeah, there's ways to even just detox the body and kind of start over and kind of refresh. Yeah. I think that's needed every now and again yeah. too. If you ask my grandmother, she'll be like, did you give the pick of them them wash out before school starts? You know, like yeah. the end of the summer, it's like, you got to reset the body. You got to get that yeah. laxative, that washout to kind of make sure that you're getting rid of the things that All don't the naturally that leave exist in there, yeah. your body. Yeah. So, um, well, shout out to Shaniqua, um, the homie. Um, on Instagram, she's high frequency tea, and I did her Dabitas um, detox when I first moved here, and um, yeah, that was an interesting detox because it ta- <laughs> it tasted like all hell, but I felt amazingly light after that. Like she would the be a good that person are good for to, you to chat with. Don't always taste good. That's true. That's just what it is. That's how I knew it was. How vegetables are. That's it's how I knew it was the you. real deal. Yeah. When you eat drink something that tastes nasty, yeah. So we should have her on here to talk about some natural ways Absolutely. to then in turn take care of the body um, versus having to potentially maybe get on medication later, you know, starting that before being proactive versus reactive. All right, guys. So as you guys know, uh, 23andMe has given us um, some health tips of what we predispose to Mm -hmm. genetically, but they've also given us some fun facts Mm -hmm. uh, like carrier status and wellness and traits that can affect us on our everyday life. And I think Uh this would be fun to go through so we can see how accurate this is um, based on how we interact on a daily basis. So when DeVal calls me crazy or delusional on a random day, it may not be just crazy and delusion. It may be genetics. I wonder if you're hey. predisposed to dropping it because you like dropping it a lot. Probably. And I like catching it. Probably. So um, <laughs> you predisposed to dropping marriage. it and I'm predisposed to catching that It's the perfect marriage. <laughs> Let's dive in, Let's dive shall in. we? All right. So when we look at some of my health predispositions, I guess, that we have, uh, according to my 23andMe report, uh, a slightly increased risk of age-related macular degeneration. So that's AMD, loss of eyesight that usually begins to show up in your 60s and 70s. Smoking highly increases this risk. OMG, Mm. am I have to put down the hookah? I don't know, hookah mommy. 
Damn, ain't nobody trying to lose this eyesight, baby. I, I want to see you. Right. I know. I, I want to see right. you well into my hundreds. I think I think you'll be all right. <laughs> I think you'll be all right, though. And then, oh, it actually picked up that I'm a carrier status um, for not necessarily the sickle cell anemia variant, but one was detected for the beta thalasmia. Lord, y'all gonna give me all these big words to I talk know. about. But I thought it said much... mesothelioma. You know, we always see them commercials on TV. <laughs> Who got mesothelioma? <laughs> Like what? No, does anybody know what mesothelioma is? Can anybody who's actually had that write in for a listener letter? Because we <laughs> see it all the time, and yeah. I've just yet to meet somebody who's had that. So yeah, but pretty much it's a genetic disorder characterized by anemia and fatigue, um, as well as bone deformities and organ problems. Yikes! So a person must have two variants in the HBB gene in mm. order to have this condition. So let's hope I don't got none of that. Well, no, the reason but, why uh, that's good though is because now know. you know if the kids have it. And they're yeah. dating someone who has the same uh, variants or similar variant or two variants, then they're lo- more likely to have that. So it's important to know. Oh, it's definitely important yes. to know. And then under the wellness category, my report says that I'm like likely to drink slightly less caffeine than the average based on my genetics. <laughs> have yet to see that yet. Yeah, you y'all drink know coffee I love my every coffee day. every day, baby, every day. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, Bill. When I was pregnant, I did not like coffee at all. It actually gave no. me more heightened morning sickness mm. um but yeah i mean i can't go a day without coffee or two if i chose mm. to my thing is i love a warm beverage in the morning so if it's not coffee it's a cup of tea i'm gonna have something and then uh also according to my report my genetic muscle composition is common in power elite athletes. elite power elite athletes. Power you athletes. know what they're talking about right who that bum <laughs> that bubble <laughs> It's, that's where the power comes from. But the hamstrings? Yes. The whole glute, hamstring, posterior chain You're area? You're shaped like a track athlete, volleyball athlete. You get that from your I mother. I love that. She was playing netball in Jamaica, running track. That's a fact. And then you got Absolutely. that. The glutes. Okay, that's all genetic, baby. Yes. Anyway, you go. Make sure yes. you thank my mother today, all right? I, I thank her every thank day. You. I thank her every day. All right. And I'm more likely to be a deep sleeper. Absolutely. Facts. On the rare occasion that I can't actually Facts. get into a deep sleep, I'm going to sleep deep. <laughs> Rare occasion, though. Rare occasion. And then lastly, traits. Oh, okay. Don't okay. Care. Okay. So for my wellness, it says that my body composition is common in elite power athletes. Makes sense because <gasps> I've been an elite power athlete my whole life playing football. That's amazing. Uh, playing so, basketball. You and I together making little power elite athletes. That's why Perhaps. you look at Jackson, Cairo, Kaz, Dakota. They're going to be out here running all over everybody. Absolutely. It says I'm less likely to be a deep sleeper. That makes sense. It does. Yes, because yeah. I, I, to be honest, I don't think my eyes ever close. I feel like I'll be sleeping like this the whole night. Yeah. And then you the minute I close my eyes, it'll be time to get up. Or you're thinking too much. You don't know when to turn your brain off. I'm always thinking. Plus, also being the man of the house, I never want to hear someone. I, I always want to be aware of someone's entering or exiting the house. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way since the apartment. Like, I just want to know. So no, I don't feel sure. like I sleep heavy at all. Absolutely. All right, let's go over some traits. So you and I both, it looks like, have a 50-50 chance of being able to match a musical pitch. So 50-50 chance we could sing. I think the record has shown, based on karaoke, we're in season nine. We can't sing. Yeah, I ain't a singer, y'all. That's not a talent I have. I ain't even going to try to claim it. Wow, look at this one. Mm -hmm. This is actually so spot on. Slightly higher odds of disliking cilantro. Oh, wow. Guys, I hate wow. cilantro. Abs- it, cilantro can go somewhere and die. Like, literally. Like, well, I have no use for it. Nah, son, I look, could barely eat Mexican food because of cilantro. Hold on. According to the report, you are not likely to have early hair loss. Cap. <laughs> Cap. 
Right. Well, it's so, somewhat a cap because my hair loss is uh, more stress based. Right. It's so not, not as rapid as like rapid. your counterparts. And when I'm when I'm resting and not filming, my hair is fuller. Mm. Whenever I get into that season of filming months and months at a time, my hair definitely thins out. So mm-hmm. that's true. But here, this one here, I know this is cap. Likely prefers salty over sweet. Cap. Cap. For sure. I love sugar. Less likely sugar. to have a fear of public speaking for me. Uh, hello. That makes sense. Yeah. Look at your last one. What? Average odds of hating chewing sounds. <gasps> you can't stick. Yo, y'all know how Kadeen is about people yo, chewing, yo. Who made this? I literally want to like hug you. <laughs> it's so true. She can't stand. More likely than average to be afraid of heights. Yes. I'm afraid of heights. Yes. Can't smell. I can't stand the smell of asparagus. I mean, I'm indifferent to that. Yeah. Wow. I prefer vanilla over chocolate ice cream. I do. I Look, do. less likely to dislike chewing sounds. I could care less about <laughs> chewing sounds. You want to know why? I be focused on my food, not other people. <laughs> Unlike my wife here, who will stop eating her pet food peeve, just to see if she y'all. can hear if pet somebody's peeve, chewing. Pet peeve. You're yeah. a lunatic, and now yeah. we know it's genetically. You're a genetic lunatic. <laughs> That's the reason why you are the way you are. So you calling me a lunatic all these years? <laughs> are you just calling me as you see me, huh? You can't help yourself. I love that. I can't help myself, y'all. Now we know. I'm crazy and he's crazier for being in this world with me. Facts. You love it here, baby. I do love it. Period. All right. That was a pretty cool discussion. 23 yes. and me. Thank y'all for that report. Like, now I know I'm a bad bitch from Street Vodka. Y'all can't tell me that bad. <laughs> y'all can't tell me that bad. But what I am going to tell you that is that we need a break. Yes. Um, so we can go into Listener Letters because we do still have that as a portion of the show. Yes. Going on season nine of Listener Letters. I'm excited to dive in. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. Now, let's take a moment and listen to a story of how understanding your health begins with understanding what your genetics say about you. For Brittany and Carlos, 23andMe helped make a father-daughter reunion possible. For both of them, the experience was life-changing. I did have a person who I thought was my dad, and he wasn't really involved. We didn't have a lot of things in common. So I took the test and found out who Carlos was, my dad. I immediately found like a lot of similarities that I've been looking for for a long time. It was really overwhelming, but a very good, overwhelming feeling. Both of my parents are deceased, so my parents never had the chance to meet her and know they had a grandchild out there. My mom was a phenomenal basketball player, and so is Brittany, so my mother would have definitely loved that. (laughs) Through 23andMe, Carlos helped Brittany discover important insights into her family health history. My mom died at 47 from diabetes. You know, in the Black community, it's very, very prevalent. The only way we can change it is dietary habits and so forth. It has to be something that we start at a young age. It starts when we're young and then snowballs until we're older. I think that it's just really important to like focus on that in your relatives and then also pass on that information just because it may not just be you. Thanks to 23andMe, Brittany's reunion with her dad, Carlos, changed her life. It's answered a lot of the questions that I didn't know that I have. So don't be afraid to do it. Connect with people that you didn't think that you have. Consider those health reasons. There's a lot of tests involved with 23andMe that could really benefit you and then a lot of people around you. This story was brought to you by 23andMe. Learn more about your ancestry and get personalized genetic insights into your health. Get started today at 23andMe.com. 
We are back with listener letters. I will go ahead and read this first one. Let's get money. All right. So this one seems very ambiguous. A man has been with a woman. He has three kids by. Youngest is 11 and has recently moved them into a new house. Mm. Reason for moving is because he says that his kids had outgrown the house they were previously living in and his youngest daughter didn't have her own room. I've, I've been dealing with this man for the last 24 years mm. and I also have his first child age 22. Okay. He tells me that we're going to be together and has also told me that he's going to marry me one day, but he has to make sure that they're good before he leaves. So he won't have to, so they won't need him or be in poverty. My question to you, does this sound like a situation I should wait for or should I hit the hills running? I'll be listening faithfully to hear your response. Okay, so this is this is a very um, loaded question, mm-hmm. and there is no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. But I will say this: in situations like these, you have to look at two perspectives, okay. right? I understand her perspective as a woman. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. It says that they've been together for twenty-four years, mm-hmm. which means even if they were together from fifteen, they're still thirty-nine, mm-hmm. right? Which means that's time. Time is of the essence. Yes, they have children together. The first and the third child are both theirs. The one in the middle is not hers. Okay. So we don't know if there was a break there or not. Mm-hmm. But she says, she's like, yo, he, he bought a house. We all live in together, but she wants to get married. She wants the title. Mm-hmm. Right? I understand where she's coming from because as a woman in society, when you live with a guy for a long time and you're not married, people look down on you. Yes. They don't look down on him. Yes. You know what I'm saying? They're just like, oh, she's sticking around and he's playing house and he doesn't have to commit to her. So I understand where she's coming from. So the title means a lot to her. Mm-hmm. Similar to when we got married, you you were like, I'm not going to be your live-in girlfriend. Right. And I was just like, okay, I want to get married, but I'm not ready to get married yet. Mm-hmm. This is where I talk about where I understand his perspective, right? Mm-hmm. When Kadeen and I were getting married, and I'm going to use us as an example, because a lot of women have agreed with you in this terms, and a lot of men have agreed with me. Mm-hmm. When we were getting married, Kadeen's focus was on the wedding. My focus was on the marriage. Am I lying or no? No, that's accurate. Because you wanted to have the perfect wedding. That's something you dreamed about. I wanted to have the perfect marriage. In part because I felt like the pressure would be on me. Mm -hmm. The same way if you're living together with me for years and we're not married, everyone looks at you. If we go into a financial hardship and we're married, everyone's Mm going to look at me. That's a fact. So as a man, it's a little bit more difficult to make that decision to say, I want to ask this this woman to be my wife, but I'm not in a place financially where I want to be. So that I can take care of anything, if everything, if something happens. Mm-hmm. I know what that feels like as a man. Mm-hmm. But I also have empathy enough to understand what a woman feels like when she feels like she's being dragged along. The way these two can come to an amicable decision is by constantly having communication. She probably doesn't feel comfortable being honest with him in real time. And he probably don't feel comfortable being honest with her in real time. It's almost like, I don't know exactly how to say mm-hmm. what it is I want to say. But if they learn how to communicate and express what they need in order to move forward, they'll be able to do it collectively. And I think that's what the problem is. Because even her asking the questions, do I wait? Right. Or do I run for the hills? It's like, what are you waiting for? Right. Be open and say what you need. You were open and said what you needed. And at the time, I felt like it was pressure. Mm -hmm. But I was open and said how I felt. Yep. But it was pressure. And I told you what I needed. Mm -hmm. Where I failed in that moment was... My dad always told me when it comes to finances, you take the stress off of your wife. That's your responsibility. Mm -hmm. I know it may seem old school, but my father said, when you ask a woman to be your wife, it is your fiduciary responsibility to take care of her and the children that you add her 
you had asked her to have for you. Mm -hmm. So for me, I felt a different level of responsibility being a man because I felt like it's my responsibility to take care of all of y'all. Whereas you probably felt like we can do this together. Together, absolutely. We never had that conversation of right. where my mindset was in getting married. All I said was I wasn't ready in the moment. Right. And when you hear I'm not ready, you think, what, you're not ready to get married. Right. And I'm like, no, it's not that I'm not ready to get married. I just don't think I'm financially prepared to go through the entire marriage right now. And I want well, you to know, get that too, together first. The, expect the expectation for me was never for you to take care of me. Exactly. Which was, the, which I think ultimately was where we kind of like differed on opinion. Yes. You, according to like your dad, which shout out to Scoop again for being like a stand-up dude to say, hey bro, like you mm -hmm. need to be able to take care of your family. Mm -hmm. Where I'm just like, bro, you and I together can do anything. Like right. I was excited just about the vigor you had for life and I had the same vigor. So it's right. like, we can do this together. Like right. I'm not depending on you. But I know as a man, you have your own particular set of, you mm -hmm. know, I guess your checklist of things where we're yeah. checking off certain things like I want to be married by this time or have children yes. by this time. You have your checklist of I want to be Absolutely. able to do this. I want to be able to pay off my house. I want to be able to get my wife this. Absolutely. So I completely understand it. And I also understand that when things go wrong, people generally, when you're looking at a married couple, tend to blame the husband if they're yes. having Absolutely. issues. You know, I know a, a particular situation where that's exactly what happened. The wife was just at fault for not working and taking care of her end so of the So neither things. one of them were working. And he wasn't. So neither of them were working. And it's just like, y'all, you are in this situation and it's not just him and it's not just her. But everyone was But everyone saying, blamed him. Blame him. So I completely and, and, understand and that. And the thing is, they always talk about double standards in the world and it's not fair. We get it. It's not fucking fair, right? But they are what they are, mm -hmm. right? The double standard. A man can live with a wife, live with a woman for years and nobody will say anything to him, but they'll judge her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can go through financial hardships. They won't say anything about her, but they'll judge him. That's yep. the double standard. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people get caught up in trying not to be a part of those narratives that for women, it's like, I need to get married. So I don't want to be a stay at home. And for a man, he's like, I don't want to seem like a deadbeat husband. I got to make sure my finances are straight. Mm -hmm. If those two people just speak yeah. and be honest about the plan and what they want to do, they'll be fine. Period. So Period. I wouldn't say run for the hills. Mm -hmm. I would say begin that dialogue about what your life is looking like yep. and what you want to do because That's a fact. you never know. And I know for some people, they'll say, well, they've been together 24 years. That's a long time. Listen, there's no age that you can look at someone and count their pockets and say they're prepared for life. Yeah. Because I know people older than me mm -hmm. who still need help financially and yeah. still need hope emotionally and just still need help. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult for you to look at someone and say, oh, they 40 years old. He should have had his life together. There's plenty of people our age who don't have their life together. There's Facts. plenty of people older than us who don't. Facts. So we have to also stop doing that to people and tell them they should have their life together by their mid-20s. Right. Or they've a failure. You know, mm -hmm. things take time for different people. Absolutely. So good luck, sis. Thank you for be a, being a faithful listener. Yes. And I hope you uh, got your answer. All right. On to number two. What are your thoughts on supporting your partner as they build a business that, mm. but you aren't married? Wow, this is actually mm. a perfect second question. Yeah. Uh, by support, I mean doing the admin side or groundwork for free. Mm. Should this be reserved for married couples since there is more security in marriage? Girl, there ain't security in nothing. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> period. First and that foremost. Is true. That is true. Um, or I should say girl or guy. I don't know who wrote in as a, was it a man or a woman. Yeah. Um, there ain't no security in nothing. So just feeling like, oh, because I'm married now, there's security. Uh, absolutely not. Right. Because things fall apart. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I guess is there, is there more at stake in terms of like how things will be divided if you're married and then you end up yes. divorcing and like, what does that business look like? And what does the revenue look like? How it's going to be split? That's different. But I supported a vow for free. Absolutely. When he had just a dream. Absolutely. And I 
worked as your, I guess, your, your administrative assistant when you were starting, for example, prototype. your prototype you business did. with the kids and training. Um, I would we work in the we office. We were engaged, but we weren't married. Right. We were engaged um, at the time. You and worked in the office. Worked, you took Yeah. You took I mean, emails, and at that payments. time, it was just an idea for DeVal. Like, yeah. oh, you know, I want to be able to do this. And I'm like, all right, cool. I was always down for the cause. Even from day one, when DeVal told me about all his hopes and dreams, I'm like, awesome. How are we going to make this happen? And but that's but I think that's the the question though. It's like, and I, and I just, I'm asking you personally because I, I want to know too. Like, because mm-hmm. I know what my answer is to this question for you. But I want to hear yours. Okay. What was it about me that you said I feel safe helping this person even without any commitment? When I think about you helping me read my dar, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. um, it w- it, w- it went both ways because mm-hmm. I remember when you were in audio video class and you needed someone to hold the camera yeah. and you know hold the white paper to be your your white balance. You were an actor stuff. in a music video I had to do in class. Do you remember? Yes. That's you, listen. Your acting days started early. It started baby. early. You were the first person to cast listen. me in my first acting job in college. Make sure you give me my credits when you get your Oscar. Okay. See, they always ask. This is why. Period. See, now I'm gonna ask the question. This answer the question. This is why you don't help people when you're not married because they come back <laughs> later on <laughs> once you gave them four I'm kids. I'm like you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we've always been supportive of each other, and I know why. Yes, well, I was supportive of you, but why were I'll you supportive of me? I'll answer you for that. Sure, um, Deval, you from day one have exhibited such a charisma mm. and such a unyielding work ethic for anything that you want. That seeing that early on was enough for me to be bought into your dreams as well. Mm. You always worked hard. You mm. had all these ideas in your mind and you may not be the the best at like administrative follow-up or I'm just not. things like that because you're you're, you're a creative to the, to the max so but you do know how to delegate responsibility mm-hmm. and you do know how to empower people around you mm-hmm. to be at their best potential in whatever facet they're working at because if there's a collective goal a collective yeah. dream a collective business you're really great about mapping that out and I saw that early on um, and it was starting from even just your NFL days. You know, mm. you were trying to just, you know, start that nest egg. And you say, if I get to the NFL, this would be a great way for me to have that nest egg to start my life for my family. So then I can, in turn, not be a starving actor. So you put the wheels in motion. And that was enough for me to be bought into your dream because I said, this man is motivated. So we can do this together. So what you were saying was it wasn't the talking. It was you watching me work. So we're on the same page mm-hmm. because when dudes, now this is a, this is actually a great, topic because i just had a conversation with a bunch of dudes my young boys who mm-hmm. are graduating college now he's like yo coach deval like how much time should i put into a chick that i'm not that's not gonna be my wife or whatever because the city girls out here trying to get paid and i ain't trying to get got <laughs> right. and now the city boys is like fuck these bitches i'm out for me and, and oh, I, is that I told a thing them now this, city boys too it is yeah it's a thing oh. now it's a full thing everybody's out for self or at least old. on social media. I be feeling old as fuck some days. I mean, shoot. If you're not on TikTok, you old. And I'm not on TikTok. I own that. I don't, <laughs> we old, y'all. My head be hurting looking at TikTok. <laughs> but I've, I've started to realize, even listening to people's comments or commentary on social media, mm-hmm. their example of why, for example, niggas ain't shit or bitches ain't shit always goes back to their choices. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with this nigga and, and I was dealing with this bitch and she da da da. So maybe you should check your choices. <laughs> rather than Rather than yeah. casting a wide net over all of the people in the world, uh-huh. you should be more, uh, have more discernment with who you choose to give your time to. Mm. So for example, if you notice that a dude or a girl is always talking about what they're going to do and not do it, and you feel like you're going to be the person to push them, mm-hmm. and you realize that you're doing all the work, 
you should have noticed that before they started working and they was just talking. Mm -hmm. But I see people do this all the time. They hear someone talk about their dreams and they be like, I'll help them do their dreams. Mm -hmm. And then even sometimes you help that person do their dream. They take the dream and they move on. Right. It's like they never asked you to help them with the dream. You chose to step in mm. and do it. You got to start looking at people and letting them tell you who they are and believing them the first time. Yeah. Exhibiting Kay, some more discernment. Yeah with, yeah. with you, I was like, she actually working. She mm. actually doing all the stuff. R.A., A.D., R.D., one R.A., A.D., and R.D. of the year every single year. When you started at Mac, you, you went from a third key. I mean, you went from part-time uh, part to a third holder, key yeah. to a manager. All of this was quick. So I was like, dang, she works hard. Mm -hmm. So I felt like if I could help her, I could give her autonomy to move in a world that always marginalizes women. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We still exist in the patriarchy. So for me, because we don't know if there's a man or a woman. Right. I look at, I look at my girl at the time because you weren't my wife my mm -hmm. girl and I was just like I want her to be able to feel comfortable making moves and knowing somebody got her yes so for me that's what it was it yes. wasn't it, it wasn't even it was just about being present so that you felt comfortable that if you fell mm -hmm. I was there or if you need somebody to step in and be a bull mm -hmm. going into these things you had somebody with you so for right. me it wasn't so much about what I could gain, mm -hmm. but it was about seeing you actually put in the work in and me wanting to be a part of seeing you do your dream. So I think that's really what it should be. And I don't think it should just be reserved for couples once they get married. Because right. how do you know you're building a foundation with someone mm -hmm. before marriage unless you start working before the before marriage? Before then, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. I hope that helped you out, y'all. Really good listener letters for today. A yes. nice way to round out this 23 and Me report episode. Um, let's give them a moment of truth. But before we do that, make sure if you are trying to be considered as a listener letter, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. That's right. That's D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. All right. And moment of truth time. I guess my moment of truth is actually what my initial karaoke song was I was going to do going into this until I found out I was a bad bitch from Sri Lanka and I changed it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thinking about uh, Diana Ross and Mahogany, um, do you know where you're going to? Do you mm -hmm. know the things that life is showing you? Do you know? Do you know? And if you don't know. Now you know. <laughs> no, Perfect segue. <laughs> um, but there are resources. There are ways out there for you yes. to find out who you really are. Being able to date it back to location. Um, Dated back to health, um, knowing more and having the tools and the opportunity to be able to advance your knowledge yes. on history, your own history. I mean, even if you're not interested in all the other histories that are happening, right. at least, know, at least yours. know yours, at least yeah. know yours and, and, and tap into resources that will allow you to do so. So you can make the changes you need to make to make this life the best and the healthiest and the longest you can. Facts. My moment of truth is uh, extremely simple. Shout out to 23andMe for these beautiful reports. It helped me dive even deeper into the role my ancestors played in what is America, mm -hmm. number one. And number two, the role they played in who I am today, uh, both physically, knowing why I look the way I look, yeah. um, mentally, why um, I have the type of fortitude I have, but also emotionally, <clears throat> why I feel so strongly about the things I feel about that go on in the world. But also... Helping me figure out how I'm going to create a plan mm -hmm. to have my children mm -hmm. exist in a space that's more um, beneficial for them health-wise. Yes. Physically, mentally, and emotionally uh, by understanding what's nature versus nurture mm -hmm. and using what I can nurture to make the nature less prominent. Ooh, that was a word Deep. at the you end there. That? Deep. That was a... 
That was a word. <laughs> little fine ass. Look at you sitting over there. Stop playing. All right, y'all. Let's okay, outro. I'll take that, that wig way. off. I'll take let's that wig outro off. Right now. Listen, okay. This hat's <laughs> holding this wig together today, baby. Because one thing we are is tired. Um, <laughs> be sure to follow us on social media, y'all. If you have not been already, we have the podcast page, which is pretty straightforward. Dead ass the podcast. And then, of course, you can give me a little follow, you know, if you ain't yet. Um, Kadeen I am is my handle on all the social media. That's right. And I am Deval on all the social media. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Deadass, y'all. Season nine. Season nine. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. And that's it on another dope show. Did this episode inspire you to take a closer look at your health history, your genetic makeup? Who knew DNA could reveal so much about our past while also holding the keys to certain health insights that may impact our future? I continue to be inspired by these stories, and I hope you do as well. Catch you next time. Listen to Spit, an original podcast from iHeartRadio and 23andMe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 